favorite passage this morning as we continue in our Restoring Relationships series is Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Cindy had it right when she said, it doesn't get much better than baptism Sundays. Oh, my goodness, can't wait. And our little big guy's getting baptized today. He's really excited about him. Plus two gals from our rooted class. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I also love how we do it here at Current. I mean, we really get going. And, I, hey, we got to deliver over there. When they come out of the water, just cheer our heads off. It's going to be really fun. Uh, I thought in light of that, we would, we would pick a certain topic uh, in this relationship series that, that we've been in. Uh, life has been really hard. It's been especially hard these last two years, which means these relationships that God gifts us so generously, so graciously, are all the more important to be cultivating. So we've looked at uh, friendship. We've looked at parenting. Last week, we looked at marriage. Today, I thought we'd look at a topic that is so vitally important to the Christ follower, but all too easy to take for granted. Today, we're going to talk about uh, Christian family. Christian family is our, is our uh, point of, of topic today. Christian family, something we can really easy, easily take for granted. And I thought Baptism Sunday would be a great way to, to get into this topic because uh, baptisms are a celebration not only of an individual being brought into, the, into a personal relationship with God, but they are also being brought into God's family, which is us here, by the way, the local church. So it's really exciting to celebrate that. Uh, but it's really easy to take Christian family for granted. I think a lot of us have actually experienced that this last however long, uh, especially coming out of the pandemic. I think we've, we, we can uh, realize all the more that this is something to easily take for granted. If you've never experienced Christian family before, it's something easy to take for granted. For me, I remember very vividly coming through these two doors for the first time when we returned to in-person gatherings. Like, I'll, I'll never forget the feel uh, as I came in these doors, nobody even noticed me because everybody was setting up and doing their thing to get the Sunday preparations working. Nobody even noticed me, but I was like tearing up and like, oh, like having this moment over here. And I was wearing a mask, so it's like getting on my mask. And I'm like, oh. And the funny thing is, I totally anticipated that being a moment for me, and yet it still hit me. And then last week, it's funny, I was talking to somebody about there by the soundboard, and someone came up, uh, someone, I was in one conversation, I got a tap on the shoulder. And I turned around to see a couple I hadn't seen for two years. Two years. I got so excited to see them. I felt really, really bad because my, I, my knee-jerk response was just to give them hugs. But they were wearing, like, masks. And, they, you know, I was like, oh, no, I don't know. Because people are in different uh, places on the spectrum, like, comfortability. And I felt so bad. Like, oh, it's okay. At least they said that. I don't know. But I'm like, oh, it's so good to see you. I hadn't seen for, for two years. And we had a moment there. I was like, oh, man, just saying hi face-to-face -face is something we can easily take for granted. Christian family is so important, and we'll get into this. All the more important where we are in the Silicon Valley, for a slew of reasons, by the way. Uh, something we need to be especially mindful of is that we're going to look at this text today where Jesus shows us that we can't take it for granted. If anything, we need to really especially lean into it all the more. So let's pray, and then we'll get into our text in Mark, Mark 3. 
Uh, Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, these baptisms we're getting ready to celebrate. Uh, what, what a joyous occasion. And we know that as we do so, uh, as excited as we get, and as fun of a moment as this for, is for us, whether we're uh, brothers and sisters uh, watching, watching in, or even for those being baptized, it's all the more precious to you. And so, Father, uh, what an what a occasion just to really just relish the love that you just so lavishly pour out onto us. I pray for these three individuals in particular, that your spirit would rest on them. This would be a spiritual marker for the rest of their days where they just experience you and, and feel a sense of commitment in their walk with you. You can always look back on. And Father, today as we turn now to your text and consider this family you have so graciously gifted us with, would we learn uh, from what you have for us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Mark chapter 3 today, early on in Jesus' ministry. So really early on in Jesus' ministry. And what he was about at this point was essentially doing the itinerant preaching circuit around the Sea of Galilee. He's just out and about. He'd already garnered a lot of attention by chapter 3 in the book of Mark, where crowds were just amassing and just trying to see what he was about, trying to hear what he was teaching. So oftentimes Jesus would go out up on a mountainside and just kind of preach there so everybody could hear him and see him. Sometimes he would cast out on a boat in like kind of a little harbor area so that people could see and hear him that way. Sometimes he would enter into houses so that he could preach and, and teach there. Presumably they were large houses, but on, on one such occasion when he was in a large house, like everybody had gathered in there to hear him, such that people were just absolutely packed together like sardines. I'm always reminded when it's like, you know, Jesus was packed in and they're just giving us details like nobody could get around to get to him and like this packed in sardines kind of situation. I'm always reminded of my time living in China and being on like the metro station, waiting for a train, Ain't no way to move in those situations. Certain like, you know, city spots, the metro stations, you're not moving until a train comes and then everybody's just kind of, you know what I mean? Just moving. If you're not on that train, you're just kind of, I mean, Jesus was just packed in there. We're told that he was sit, like people were sitting around him, probably like, you know, like rows. And then in the back, people were standing there such that even like kind of the overflow areas, people just kind of looking in, like there was no more space to see him. It's hard enough to hear him. Well, it was on one such occasion that his biological mother and brothers came in trying to get his attention. And in fact, what we're told, if you look up a few verses in verse uh, 20 of our chapter, which wasn't read, uh, they've decided that Jesus was now, quote, out of his mind. Now, we don't know all the details of why they were thinking this way. It could have been any number of things. But it's almost certainly something to the effect of they had seen Jesus kind of get going on this whole religious thing, this whole teaching thing, and now they were there to reel him in, right? We need to, we need to go talk to Jesus. I don't know what's gotten into him. This has been cute and all, but we got we to gotta talk to him. Probably thinking, you know, he's got to come back and do his carpentry stuff. We've got a family to provide for. Who knows what's going through their minds? But they get there. They find that there's, this house is packed where he is. They're on the outside, and so they have to play this game of pass it along, right? They can't get there. They can't get to Jesus. He can't even see them kind of daily. So they talk to the outermost person and say, hey, can you let him know that his mother and brothers are here? Please pass it along. 
And so one by one, you know, the person on the outside starts to pass it along and just word starts making its way, right? And I was just thinking about it this week in terms of like putting myself in that mindset. And I considered like if that were to happen here at Current. Now we're not packed in like sardines, but it's kind of like, you know, we're a crowd here, sitting here. Uh, every so often when I'm preaching, folks will just like turn to the, someone next to them and say something. And, and I, I never think anything of it unless you're thinking I'm out of my mind, which is a whole other story. But like usually people are talking, I'm like, okay, there's something going on. Maybe it's with the kids. Maybe it's just something related. They just say something. Fine. It, it is what it is. Um, but when, if, if it were to happen that somebody was sharing something and then the next person in front of them was sharing it and the next person, you, you're tracking, like that'd be a whole nother deal. Like not only would it catch my attention as I'm kind of up here trying to keep my thought and talk, right? It would probably catch just about everybody else's attention, right? Everybody was in this moment, everybody starting with Jesus, but everybody else was like, all right, something's heading this way. Wonder what it's about. And so at some point it gets kind of close and no doubt it was some extrovert who was just like, all right, I'll interrupt him. I'll let him know. It says, hey, Jesus, everybody quiets down. Your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. With everybody listening, with, with just like, you know, you can hear a pin drop, presumably, I mean, just this interruption, everybody trying to figure out what's happening. Jesus says something that is so startling and so provocative when he asks the question, who are my brothers? Who, who, are my, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, for us to read this text, we might think, oh, what, what do you mean? Why is, that a, why is that a startling, provocative moment? Uh, we need to kind of, in moments like these, I think when we're studying the scripture, we need to kind of sit in it and really kind of understand what it would have been like in that original context. Uh, that would have been an absolutely startling, provocative thing for him to say. Remember, back in that day, uh, this was a, a very family-based culture. Everything in that culture was about the family. So to think of it this way, let's say you are close with your own biological family, like you, you're really tight-knit or whatever the case is. If, if that's you, probably even for you, it would not compare to how much they cared for and thought of family. Are, are, you, are you tracking? Let alone this individualistic society that we live in. I mean, so much of what we do in our society today, broadly speaking, is about us. I mean, yeah, we care about family. Hey, family matters. But really what it comes down to is like what I'm living for me and trying to get things ahead. Okay, it's just a different culture. Back then, everything to everyone was about the family. You lived for your family. You were loyal to your family. You worked for your family. Family was number one. So when Jesus, not just anyone, by the way, saying this, but as a teacher of God says, who are my mother and brothers? When he said that, that was more than a little bit startling and provocative. By the way, think of it this way. His, actual, his mother and brothers outside, if they had caught wind of that, would have almost certainly in that time and space been offended by those words. So Jesus asked this question, who are my mother and brothers? And then he goes on to say, well, he says he looked at those seated in a circle around him. He said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I think this text teaches us two things primarily. I want to kind of look through them uh, each with you uh, one at a time here. The first one, it seems to me to, suggest, uh, to teach, is that if we're a follower of Jesus, he's got to come first. He's got to be number one. When it comes to relationships, he's number one. He's, he's more important if we are his followers than any other relationship in our lives. Coworker, boss, parent, child, 
spouse even. He comes first. He's the number one in our relationship. You think about it in that culture, Jesus is saying, like, these are, these are the most important. Jesus is saying that of them. How much more so ought that ought be true of us? He is number one relation when we put our faith in, when you follow him. One of the things I love about uh, celebrating baptisms here is I'm always reminded of the week heading into it of, of other baptisms that we've celebrated in the life of current. And uh, with this text in my mind this week, I was thinking of uh, several individuals, not, not just like one, two, like several individuals who themselves, when they decided to not only put their faith in Jesus, but specifically publicly declare that faith, for them, based on their family relationships, it was a big deal. Now, hey, whenever we share that we're going public with our faith with any of our families, that's a big deal. Okay, so don't, don't misunderstand me here. But what I'm saying is for them in their family relationships, based on how their family views life, sees things religiously, has their ideologies, for certain individuals who have decided to put their faith in Jesus, they've had to grapple with, oh my goodness, one of them even saying, if I do this, my family might write me out. And when I've like had the, honor and privilege of having those conversations. I'm number one, like, whew, this is precious ground. Wow. But the second thing that goes through my head is, and they are grappling with what Jesus calls them to. Jesus calls us to follow him first. He becomes number one, even over our families. Now, by the way, that's the best thing for our families. Because Jesus loves our families infinitely more than even we do. It's a wonderful thing for our families. Because when Jesus says, by the way, here, hey, these are, you know, the people sitting around me are my mother and brothers. You know, people who do God's will. Remember, he was not saying, you know what? You ought not care about your family. And I don't care about them. Jesus was not saying that. How do we know? Well, there's any number of places in the scriptures where Jesus affirms God's love for the family and how we ought to have love for the family too. So for instance, real quickly, just to do this. In Matthew 15, 4, Jesus not only affirms the great commandment, honor your father and your mother, he actually does so with religious leaders who he calls out for not doing that enough. He's like overly affirming. He's like, no, this is really important. You guys aren't even doing this. You got, you got to honor your father and your mother. And then actually, as if we needed any other example than this, on the cross, while Jesus was in the act of being crucified, he saw his mom, his mother down at the feet at his feet, and, and he said to one of his disciples, take care of her. While he's up there being crucified, he said, take care of her. And then there's texts like 1 Timothy 5.8 in the scriptures that say, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith. That verse has a special place in my heart. Uh, when, when, he, when he realized that his daughter and then son became Christians, and that they were then dating seriously Christians themselves, uh, my future father-in-law at the time decided to pull me aside. <laughs> uh, I was getting to know Cindy, we were become, becoming serious, and uh, my future father-in-law was like seeing the writing on the wall, and he's like, I gotta pull this guy aside. So he pulled me aside one day, which was interesting. He said, hey, David, can we, can we go talk over there? I was like, oh, okay. Now you gotta understand, this guy was open, and he talked about anything and everything in front of everybody. Like there's nothing we need to go over there or talk about. So I'm over here like, what, what's, this, what's this gonna be about? So we went, he took me over to the garage, and he, he said, and he got, he got quite vulnerable. I could, just, I could just sense it right away, and then as, as things progressed, I was like, okay. He got very vulnerable, he started saying, he's like, look, you know, 
uh, I need you to understand that uh, family is so important to me and Cindy's mom. Like family is just way up there. It's like priority number one for us. And he started sharing stories of why that's true, the immigrant families and how like they've loved the generation past and tried to be pouring into the future generation. So it's, 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 it's fun to think about. It's real privilege to think back on. But he shared all that. And he said, David, he said, does your Christian faith, does your faith in Jesus allow for you to prioritize family, to love family, and actually specifically to take care of us and, and, and especially Cindy's mom when we're older? I was just, I was just, whew, in that moment. I said, Michael, I'd later call him Bob, but in that moment I said, I said, Michael, can I read a Bible verse with you? He said, sure. I read him this verse. It says, anyone who does not provide for the relatives, especially their own household, has denied the faith. I said, you know, you're absolutely right if what you're saying is you're sensing like, you know, Jesus is the priority. It's like, you're absolutely right. Jesus comes first. Like, he's, he's number one. But I gotta tell you, Jesus calls us to take care of our family to the tune of this verse. Like, yes, we're gonna, we're, as we put Jesus first, we're, we're gonna love and care for this family and we're committed to taking care of you. And There was a high school teacher in our, uh, in our church who I had a phone meeting with this last week and he ran a little late, which is, which is no big deal. But he got on the phone, he said, hey, I'm so sorry, uh, I'm a little late to this, this appointment. Uh, I had a conversation with a high school student of mine that uh, was so meaningful, I didn't, want, I didn't feel like it would be right for me just to abruptly end it so I could get on this call. I hope that's okay. I was like, sure. I was like, can, can I ask what it was about? I'm, just, I'm curious. He said, sure. He said, sure. He said, one of my students, who's not a Christian, by the way, this high school teacher teaches at a local Christian school, he said, one of these students who's not Christian, but is in my class, um, was really taken aback when I said... My love for my family is nowhere near what God's love is for my family. Because that really rocked this uh, student of mine who comes from an East Asian background with his you know, feelings towards family. He's like, he couldn't get his mind around that. He was just so taken aback. He's like, how could, like for me with family so important, how could, how could explain to me how God could love them more than, than you could love your own family. Like how, how do you see that? Look, Family cares to God. Your family matters to God. Why? Because he's the creator of theirs. He is the lover of their souls. And so you better believe he loves them more than, than you even do or could. And, and, and by the way, calls you to, to love them. But what Jesus is saying here and highlighting in this text that where he says, these are my mothers, these are, these are my brothers, is what we've said, and that is when it comes to relationships, though, we need to put him first. He needs to, he needs to come first. He needs to be number one. Uh, Jesus put it this way elsewhere. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's like, if I'm your Lord, if I'm the person who died on the cross for you and the one who created you, calls you in a relationship and has taught you how to, how to live, like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? You know, one of the things, one of the questions we ask at baptism, what you'll have noticed if you've been here over time and we've celebrated baptism, I'll ask two questions. And they're really the questions that need to be asked before, before baptism or on, on profession of, of, of being baptized. And that is what I like to call the Savior and Lord questions. So uh, Romans 10, 9, 10 have both of these just right here so compact in one, one verse. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So the first question I will ask, and I'll ask each of these individuals today, is do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that God the Father raised him to life on the third day? And if the answer to that is yes, okay. That's the Savior question. That's saying, I trust you for dying for my sins, for forgiving me. And the second question is the Lord question. Do you, do you commit from this day forward as best you can and with his help to following him? That's the, and from this day forward, I'm gonna trust you with my life. I'm gonna put you first because for instance, as it comes to my family, I know putting you first is actually best for my family. Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? By the way, as Cindy was mentioning earlier, if that's you today and you actually want to be baptized and the answer to both those questions are yes, you're ready to be baptized. There's your baptism class. <laughs> Cindy was talking about how in the scriptures, sometimes people would basically come to those two conclusions and be like, hey, there's some water. Should I be baptized? And the apostle would be like, yeah. So we're ready for you if, if, that, if, you, feel, if you feel led. But those are the two questions. Are you, are, are you Savior and are you Lord? And I'm, and I'm emphasizing, I think it's emphasizing from, from what we're saying here is Jesus saying, are you putting me first? I, am I your Lord? So that's the first thought. Does he, does he, is he first in your life? But, but number two, I believe this text says, is when you put your faith in Jesus, he doesn't just save you into a personal relationship, but he brings you into his family. And we mustn't take it for granted because it's all easy to take for granted. For the rest of the time, I want to quickly run through three thoughts here that Jesus shows us why it's so important, this family, lest we take it for granted. Number one, when it comes to God, this God-given gift of a family, this text shows us where you are matters. I love this. In verse 31, we know that Jesus was in a house. But verse 34 says this, Jesus looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here, are my mother and brothers. Right here, where you are matters. Meaning right now, if you're here in this local church, this expression of God's church, uh, uh, church family, right here is your family, here at Current. And that's really important to understand. Why? Because you're here. Uh, one of the greatest privileges of my life, I'm just so thankful for these opportunities, is, is having had the chance to live for short stints in different parts of, of the world. So I've had the chance of living in, in England for a short stint, in China, uh, even, and these are for shorter stints, uh, Mexico, Kazakhstan. And one of the really beautiful things that I've had the privilege of experiencing in each of these places is just a real richness of kindred spirit with people from completely different cultural backgrounds. I mean, oftentimes speaking a different language, but just being able to connect, not as acquaintances, not even as friends, but as like, whoa, we are family. Ironically, England was the place that took the longest. I say ironically because the English is, uh, in, you know, the language is no problem there, but my humble experience in, in, in England was they're much more reserved, so it took longer. But then we got there, it was like, oh, we're family. But then in other places where English, the, the language was an issue, it's still, it's, it's incredible. And by the way, I'm not saying, and we therefore figured out how to express our faith in the same ways. That's not what I'm saying. We had completely different expressions of the faith. And yet there was just this, palpable understanding that we are brothers and sisters. It's, it's incredible. Current family, this is so important here in the Silicon Valley. I mean, statistically speaking, most of you by far are not in the area next to or near to your biological family. I mean, just think about that for a second. It's an incredible place to live. It also has a lot of stresses and pressures, right? You think about the cost of living, of course, the 
challenging and demanding schedules that everybody has. And you just, the list just goes on. The ideologies here that maybe are different from where you're from. But guess what? God has here for you his family. And by the way, you here for his family as well. But do you take it for granted? Or are you putting in effort? Because family, as we all know, takes effort. So where you are matters. Number two, we see here, who you are with matters. Here are my mother and brothers, Jesus said. These are my mother and brothers. Uh, you know what's really cool uh, in terms of comparison of family relationship versus essentially every other relationship? Uh, families don't choose you, right? I mean, family, you're, you're stuck with your family. Hopefully that's a positive thing <laughs> for most of you. You're, that, your family is your family. Now, your parents had a little say in that, right? But, you're, but not even there, your parents didn't choose who you are and who you're becoming, that sort of thing. Your siblings are probably going to remind you often that they didn't choose you and all the rest of that. Like family doesn't often choose you. And you know, in a sense, you know, here we are in this area, you know, it's, it's a gift, right? Being in America, and by the way, having lived in different places where this is not the case, it's, you know, I'm trying not to take it for granted. In America, we have the, the luxury or freedom, I should say, of being able to, when we move into a new area, kind of pick different places, like, oh, check out this church and find a good fit. And that's good. That's right. Um, but uh, at some point you need to figure out, okay, where, where is God? And by the way, hopefully that the leading question there as you're trying to go through that experience, you guys move away or whatever it might be. The leading question there is, God, where would you have me? Often that's coupled with what you sense to be the right spot. So, but God, where do, you, where do you want me? And where do you want me for this season? All that sort of stuff. But there comes a point where it's like, all right, this is family. And you kind of go, okay, we're, we're in. And so, and you know, you don't choose everybody, right? You get to start to get to know folks and you're like, oh, not everybody here is what I thought. Well, that's, that's called just their they're people, right? So it's like, you know, and that's why we always try to stress in welcome lunches that current is not a perfect church. If, you think, if your first impression is like, this is wonderful, we, hey, there are a lot of wonderful people. But the point is we're all in this process, right? We all need Jesus. And when new people come and they're like, oh, you know, I'm new here. You're the family who's saying, come on in. We don't get to choose like, well, you're not the new person I don't want. Oh, heaven forbid. You, you getting this idea? This is family. It's who you're with matters. Who, whom God brings matters. And we got to take that really seriously. We got we to put the, the effort into it. I just love constantly thinking about the family that God has brought into this church body. I mean, I just, it's like pinched me when I think about this. It's been such a, a wonderful ride to call uh, who call uh, current home family. I just, I just love that. It's why we get so excited for baptisms here. Because again, we are celebrating that they didn't just put their faith in Jesus and coming into a relationship with him, but they are coming into a relationship essentially with his family, which is, which is us. And that's why we want to cheer extra hard today. Uh, last, we see what you're about matters. So where you are matters, who you're with matters, and what you're about matters. Because Jesus says, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Uh, we live in a place that is absolutely obsessed with mission statements. I mean, the workplace, I mean, it's just, we are all about mission statements, crafting those things and organizations, groups of people, clubs. We're, mission statements are an important thing here, right? We're all about mission. Well, God has given us, church family, the greatest mission of all. Uh, we can talk, we can unpack whoever does God's will, as my brother and sister, in any number of ways, what it is to be God's will. 
But listen to some of the last words Jesus famously said right before he went to heaven. He said, he came to his disciples. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Look, if there's anything that kind of summarizes what God's will is, it's it's many things. We need to ultimately look to all of the scriptures to understand it. But if there's anything to really kind of understand it as a church family, like what our mission is, it's these words. And let me kind of summarize this. Help people know and grow in Jesus. Help people receive him, baptize them, celebrate that, and help, help us one another become more like Jesus as we do our best to follow him. That's our mission. And, you know, I love it how it says we need to do this in all nations. Well, our assignment begins right here in the Bay Area. I mean, that's just incredible for a number of reasons. First of all, the whole world's coming here. And as they come here, we get to point them to Jesus. I mean, in a sense, we actually get to reach the nations by being here. But then number two, we also are in an area that is not known for being receptive towards Christianity. And yet, church friends, by God's grace, three right now are making decisions to be baptized. It's like, that is God's goodness that we get to be a part of. As we are family, carrying out this mission, we get to see God open eternity's doors wide open. Uh, We're going to be saying goodbye to a dear brother today. Embarrass him a little bit here. Dear brother who's been here for just several months. And... uh, What's crazy to me is I'm already know from the bottom of my heart that I'm going to miss him. And I, I had to do a little bit of like thinking about that. It's like, wait, he's only been here for a short time. How, why am I already like, I'm going to miss him? It's because he's been taken very seriously. I feel like he embodies what we're talking, he's been embodying what we're talking about today. Where you are matters, who you're with matters, what you're about matters. Uh, Chihun, when he came here, I, was, I met him the first day pushing around carts and I was like, I, I didn't know any of that. I was asking him, like, hey, hey so how long have you been in current? He's like, today's my first day. I'm like, you're pushing a car? He's like, yeah, big smile. I'm like, he's awesome. Like, this is already cool. Just jumping right in. He's been, gotten plugged into our C2 group, which is our, our 20-somethings group. And the, hey, I could tell you from firsthand, even just hearing about it, he's going to be missed there. And just jumping right in where he is matters, who he's with matters and what he's about matters. And I just like, it's a bummer to say, say goodbye, but I'm actually kind of excited in a couple of ways because one, we got the opportunity to roll up our sleeves and serve together, be a part of that. And who knows what the gospel fruit of that's going to be. We'll get to celebrate that later. And then number two, it's like, even if God doesn't see fit to bring him back, although I'm praying he gets a job back in the area, it's going to grad school next, but I'm praying he gets a job back. Even if God doesn't see fit for that, we still know that by very nature of what Jesus is saying here is this family is eternal, which we're going to be able to hang out for a good, good chunk of time. We're going to be able to see each other and celebrate what God has done and will do and even more ways than we could even understand. But he just jumped right in. Where you are matters. Who you're with matters. What you are about matters. I'm going to ask two questions, I think, to just kind of pull this home. Two questions we actually asked earlier on. Um, but I think it's worth kind of bringing back up and then we'll, we'll do some baptisms. Uh, number one, based on this text, I would ask, are you connected? Are you connected? Because the family here can't be for you if you're not there for the family, right? And I would just 
re-emphasize, I want to say this as much as I can, just, just remember that these last two years have normalized behavior that just weren't normal beforehand. I mean, think about it this way. Two years ago, if you were to say an individual was off in their home, only ever ordering stuff, never going out or whatever, you'd be like, all right, we need to, we need to form a committee and perform an intervention. But now that's called normal. <laughs> it's like, and I'm, you know, that's obviously an extreme here, but my point is that has impacted each of us in some degree. And there's a reason why God says to people during normal times, although the church was being persecuted at those times. But in Hebrews 10, he says, do not give up the habit of meeting together. Spurring one another towards good uh, love and good deeds and encouraging one another all the more as the day is approaching. But do not give up the ha- habit of meeting together. I would just say, do a little bit of self-diagnosis there. Make sure. Are you, are you connected? And then number two, are you committed? Because families are, are committed to one another, aren't they? By the way, Sometimes God has a season in mind here and there, but to the extent that we sense his leading, are are we committed? Are we there? Because friends, as we roll up our sleeves and serve together, we get to be a part of God's greatest mission of all, his eternal mission of letting people know about Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and doing that in a place like the Silicon Valley. It's, It's really a gift, but don't let it be something, this church family that God has gifted to you, that he kind of holds out, don't let it be something that you take for granted. If you can, try to find ways to lean in and we get to do that now today as we celebrate uh, baptism. I want to end with one quote from a late British pastor, a guy named John Stott, because I think it just kind of brings everything we're saying to a head and then we'll, we'll pray and close. I'm assuming, John Stott says, that we are all committed to the church. We're not only Christian people, we are also church people. We're not only committed to Christ, we are also committed to the body of Christ. At least I hope so. For the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. It is his family. Let's pray. Father, at the very center of the teaching that we just looked at today is this profound thought that it is you that sees us as your family. You don't just call us to do this for one another. It's something you have done and do for us. And to think that the Son of God looks at us as brothers and sisters. Lord, who are we? Except for people you chose to love and die for to bring us into your eternal family. Father, would you help us not take this family for granted? Uh, you've, uh, would, you, would you help us look to love, serve, and care for one another? And would you help us carry out your will, uh, not least of which by helping people know and grow in Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.